Our second reading today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. We are reading from the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 5. Paul says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In Memphis, we take a few things seriously. Barbecue, music, the river, and basketball. So early in the 22 season, when the Memphis State Tigers were experiencing a rough start and had just experienced a devastating loss to a conference opponent who they should have beaten, it wasn't surprising when the post-game press conference was a tense place for Memphis coach and legend Penny Hardaway. Local sports columnist Jeff Calkins asked the pointed question to Penny. He said, Penny, have you ever lost faith that you can get this done? Penny paused, and then he went on for a minute and a half diatribe all the way trying to correct Calkins' line of thinking and questioning, pointing out in very colorful language, I might add, that this question was stupid. <laughs> a number of different outlets picked up this interaction, and it got millions of views on the internet. Calkins questioning Penny's faith in his team, in his skills, in his ability to do his job, it struck a chord. A few months later, I heard Calkins, who's a good Presbyterian, preach at a Lenten service in Memphis. He reflected back on this stupid question he had asked Coach Hardaway. The question wasn't about lineups or his recruiting or his job security. It was about whether he was able to sustain his faith at a difficult time. After much thought and reflection, Calkins said he realized that this wasn't a stupid question at all. Instead, he argued it's one of the essential questions. Have you ever lost faith? What do you do when your faith is shaken? How do you maintain faith at a difficult time? We can find some answers to these questions in Paul's letter to the Romans. We have peace with God. This peace, as well as 
access to grace has come through Jesus Christ. Moreover, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The Son, Jesus, gives us access to God's glory, and the Spirit pours out God's love for us. Peace and grace are gifts from God. God's love has already been given to us. There are no steps required to receive these gifts. There are no tasks or tests we need to do to earn these gifts. We don't have to have all the answers or all the faith because God has already reached out to us. As former Trinity pastor and theologian David Bartlett puts it, it's not that we are striving to reach God, it is that God is striving to reach us and does so through grace. It is not that we use Jesus to attain God's mercy, it is that God sends Jesus to enact the mercy that God has intended from the beginning. So how does all of this answer Calkins' questions about faith? Paul is reminding us that we might lose faith, but God doesn't lose faith in us. Our faith might be shaken, but God still loves us. Even in the midst of difficult times, times we can't explain, times we can't hold our own faith, God reaches out to us with grace and peace and love. Earlier in the letter that we read today, before the passage, chapter 5, Paul is clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul goes on to remind us that that's not the end of the story. God responds to humanity through Christ. Because of Christ's righteousness, humanity now stands justified or made right by God's grace. You see, chapter 5 is a bridge of sorts between the what of Romans 1 through 4 and the now what of verses 5 through the rest of the book. According to Romans 5, the life of the justified is a mix of peace and hope, suffering, and love. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, the faithfulness of Christ, even to the point of death, we stand in God's freely given grace, and in that grace experience peace with God, and we boast in the hope of God's glory. Paul is reminding us that losing and questioning our faith is real. There will be suffering and a need for endurance. But I think it's important for us to acknowledge here on the front end one possible problem with this text. And the problem is that if we were just to take a cursory reading of Romans, if we were just to pluck out these five verses, we might imagine that Paul is doing his best to lift up suffering or to even minimize suffering. He moves quickly past it in this text, devoting only two and a half verses to suffering. He speaks of boasting in hope and being able to share in the glory of God. And then he says in verse three, 
And not only that, but we also boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Paul insists that suffering produces endurance, then character, and then a deeper hope. This can be a gift when we discover it on our own journey. But if we say it to someone else, ending here, but if we say it and we run the risk of diminishing their current pain or hurrying them past it, Paul is not saying that suffering is a necessity or a prerequisite to faith. Paul is reminding the church in Rome and us that suffering and pain exists in the world, that we live in a broken world alongside broken people. Last year, activist and attorney Brian Stevenson joined us here in this sanctuary. In his lecture, I found what seemed to be a paraphrase of Romans 5. Mr. Stevenson says that I do think what sustains me is the knowledge I have that it's really the broken among us that can contribute a lot to our quest for full and equal justice. I mean, when you're broken, you actually know something about what it means to be human. You know something about grace. You learn something about mercy. You learn something about forgiveness. It is the broken among us that can teach us some things. And knowing that you don't have to be perfect and complete gives you a way of moving through challenges that would be hard if you think that's not something that's possible. Stevenson goes on to say that he tells his younger staff that you can't do this work, you can't be in some of the painful places we're in, you can't hold children who've been abused and not be impacted by that. You're going to shed some tears. You are. And you're going to be overwhelmed, and you're going to be tired, and you're going to be pushed down. All of those things are going to happen. It doesn't mean that you're not up to the task. It doesn't mean that you're incompetent or incapable. It just means that you're a human being. Stevenson and Paul both recognize how important it is and what a gift it is to be human. All the things that shake our faith, all the difficult things we see in the world don't make us less than. These are the things that make us human. We are broken. Our world is broken, but God loves us. We don't sit only in suffering. Paul moves us from suffering to endurance to character and ends with hope. Paul insists that we don't need to just endure suffering, but we can see that endurance and character grow from it. From these things, our hope grows also, and hope does not disappoint us. You see, here Paul is talking about a particular kind of hope, a capital H hope. Many hopes will disappoint us. The hope 
for a particular job, the hope for good health, the hope that our children will take a given path, the hope that the St. Louis Cardinals might make it to the World Series this year. (laughs) There's always next year. The hope really for any kind of outcome. Paul here is pointing us to a deeper hope where we find ourselves so deeply rooted in the glory of God that we can't help but want to share it. This is a hope that will not disappoint us. You see, hope is not just wanting things to be better or different. Hope is not a form of denial about how bad things are. Rather, hope is a gift from God. It is a Christian virtue that helps us trust God and God's ability to bring about meaning and life, even in our most dire of circumstances. Brian Stevenson says that hope is our superpower. Hope is the thing that gets you to stand up when others say sit down. It's the thing that gets you to speak when others say to be quiet. We are called to live into this superpower, to live into the hope of bringing God's kingdom here on earth, live into the hope that things might be better and different, and we can help that. It is hard to grasp what Paul means by suffering, but if he means that the truth is worth sharing with someone, I can get on board. I can get on board with the belief and the trust that in community, we can suffer and move through that suffering together, and that we can give it purpose. We can stand outside of it. We can hope beyond it. Calkins ended his sermon not by asking questions about what to do when his faith is shaken, but instead asking just what it is people see when they ask about his faith. He lifts up the words of preacher and theologian Peter Gomez. Faith is not something we believe, or that we think we believe, or that we believe we believe. What we really believe is what our actions show we believe. The way we live our lives, the way we choose to respond to the amazing gift of God's grace. This is how others know what we believe. We live out our faith the best we can, knowing that God gives us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, knowing that it is this hope that drives us to continue. My wish for you is that you continue, said the poet Maya Angelou. Continue to be who and how you are, to astonish a mean world with your acts of kindness, continue. In a society dark with cruelty, to let the people hear the grandeur of God and the pearls of your laughter, continue. To remind the people that each is as good as the other and no one is beneath nor above you, continue to remember your own young years and look with favor upon the lost and the least and the lonely, continue to put the mantle of your protection around the bodies of the young and the defenseless, continue 
to take the hand of the despised and diseased and walk proudly with them in the high street so some might see you and be encouraged to do likewise. Continue to dare to love deeply and risk everything for the good thing. Continue. Friends, this is the essential part of our task as Christians, to continue, to persist, to endure, to embody the same love we've known in Jesus Christ, and through it all, that we lean into this hope that does not disappoint. May it be so. Amen.